When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. All right, Mots, we are back. Episode 47 of The Rink Shrinks. Uh, we had a great interview with Brian Noonan, NHL legend, uh, and a bunch of other topics we discussed. What do you say? You ready to go? Let's go. All right, Mots, we are back. Episode 47 of The Rink Shrinks. Little Tom Glavin, actually, actually 47. Love it. Our lefty uh, flamethrower pinpointing yes. balls on the black. Yeah. Go back and go back and listen to that interview. That was a good one. Uh, get your baseball fix. But what uh, what's going on? Anything? Uh, not too much. You know, good. Uh, you know, my son's games. Uh, they're uh, they just had a game in in overtime, lost in overtime. But it's good hockey. You know, they're moving pucks, and it's just kind of interesting about puck management. We talk about it all the time, and. But understanding that you, you know, in those urgent areas, you have to know what to do. So it's one thing to execute it or, you know, be in that position and, and not execute it. It leads to more chances, more goals against. And, um, you know, it just as that level of play gets higher and higher, those, you know, areas of the ice are so much more important. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's uh it must be fun to watch, especially at that, you know, higher level and seeing different schools. How's the, the, you know, you, you, I know we were talking about it as the age groups, like are you finding prep school kids to be older and older, like a lot of repeats and, and things like that? Yeah. I think that has been kind of the way things have been trending. You know, you, you maybe transfer in and repeat that year or, um, you know, maybe you do another eighth grade and come in as a ninth grader, but yeah, it just seems like kids are a little bit older and, um, you know, this, this team that they played had some PGs on it. So, you know, that much older and you can tell, you know, the little, you know, subtleties between someone who has a little bit more maturity, maturity physically, and also, you know, a little bit more puck patience in those areas. And it just, it, it was just interesting to see, but it was a good game. Um, I think they're, uh, both teams are very well coached and they have a lot of talent. So it was, it was a good game to watch. Uh, that's great. Are you guys uh, in the Christmas spirit yet or what? You guys get your tree up and all that stuff. Are you, are you a real tree or a fake tree guy? I'm a real tree guy. Yeah, I figured you'd be like Clark Clark Griswold <laughs> driving out in the woods and cutting your own down. Yeah, it's uh, we were gonna do it on this past Sunday, but now, now we were kind of missed the window. Yeah, get, get some of that uh, the greens to wrap around the porch and put the lights up, and you know, we really like to do it up, but not too early. You know. Something, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember growing up, but one time we had our tree up and. You know, with like two days before Christmas, <laughs> my dad was just like, "Whatever." <laughs> yeah, uh, it's uh. Well, you get like obviously Brooks. Yeah, like Liam was my my youngest is all fired up. He loves it. So we actually went and got our tree last night. We went over to uh my buddy at Eagle Farms in Milton. There was actually a great tree for you. The thing was enormous. So that we're like walking around. We're like, "Yeah, kids, you guys pick out the tree." You know what I mean? Because everybody's like, "Oh, it looks crooked. It's this or that." And um. Like the one of the employees over uh, at Eagle Farms is like, oh, I got a great tree. If the kids are picking out, and he brings us over, this tree was like enormous, like absolutely 
huge and there's no way it would have fit in my house. I'm like, that's a great tree for Mott's. It might be able to fit in his uh in Maybe his out in the garage. Yeah. <laughs> it might be it, it's literally enormous, but I'm like, he could throw it in the pickup truck and uh get that all decorated. You probably need about 52 sets of lights to to get yeah. it all lit up though, you know. And yeah, sizzle lift to get to the top. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, the the fake tree thing, just not for me. You? Yeah, sometimes they're you know, you pull it out of the box, it has it has all that like the lights on it and stuff now. I guess they're pretty oh, expensive, but I'll, I'll bet they are. You just pop them up and you're done. But I, I like the smell and you know, mm -hmm. I love when the you know you forget to water it a little bit and the needles stop falling off and you know. I remember one time we had one in we weren't supposed to, but we had one in college and um <laughs> we, we got into like a it was probably a fire hazard with the 42 people you had living in there. <laughs> but we were like into the WWF at the time and I we were you know <laughs> wrestling and I remember you know working up a bead and no shirt on got thrown into the tree. And oh it was, it was like one of those Zima commercials. You know, when the, <laughs> <Zima>. <laughs> He guy cuts the grass and he's all covered in grass clippings, and then he, he has a zemer and it just blows off him. Yeah, <laughs> unbelievable. Oh, that's classic. Well, we did uh, we did have a great little weekend Saturday. We were able to um, head over to the Warrior for Life uh, event versus the the Bruins alumni. It was um, a bit of a tough day for you and and the rest of the uh, the alumni. You uh, you lost to the 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 younger and hell of a lot more in shape uh you know team full of navy seals so we'll give you a little bit of a pass there but it was fun getting out and uh obviously we have a, a great interview uh that hopefully we can we can use in the next couple of weeks with with ryan and grady and those guys from the warrior for life fund yeah it was a great day we you know it's a great program number one um you know and just the synergies and the similarities between what you know, professional athletes and and these guys do you know completely different consequences but um you know the mentality is very similar and it was really cool to just talk to them and kind of get their take on a few things and how much they love hockey you know like when they start talking about it and you know just you put the you know put the skates on get out on the ice and you you know they don't think about anything else they worry about you know competing for a puck all the all the cool stuff that hockey provides but it was just really neat, and it, it's a great service for these guys to, you know, have that camaraderie and that infrastructure. Let's just say they are active and, and deployed, um, you know, for the families as well. So, yeah, it was a great, uh, great event. And yeah, I just, I just didn't feel, you know, real good out there. I could yeah. tell like, right from warm ups. I'm like, man, this is not. I just be don't my have thing. it. Yeah. So then I broke. That's my one stick. of those games where you, yeah, you broke your stick. The yeah. old Gatorade stir that. 12 years old yeah is uh that and and you only brought one which is just an amateur move so then i had to borrow uh ryan borks yeah and uh completely different curve yeah completely different curve and we have you know whatever you know I, I will say i wasn't the worst player on the team though i mean no no I'm no not, i'm no. not pointing fingers but no. I, no, I, no, you definitely weren't the the worst player on your team. You just let's just say that there was there's there's some older guys that are on that team that they might need to go to like the alumni of the alumni team. Yeah, the, you know the what legends, I mean? The legends. Yeah, go to the legends. Exactly. You were dash four. Um, you I don't know. know who's keeping those stats. 
Uh, that was us in the stands <laughs> <Yeah>. watching, <laughs> watching closely. Um, but yeah, there was it was, you know, and they needed you to be kind of the guy. I I agree. And you just didn't have that. I didn't have that. I didn't have a gear. I didn't have anything. It, it was just it was a bad night all around. And you know, I just I, I kind of wish uh, I could have a redo. To be honest with you. Yeah. Well, hopefully we can. Uh, you guys can get a little infusion of youth and. Uh, and well, I knew it wasn't my night when you know I kind of get open for a pass and just kind of you know meandering up the ice and some dude just back checks and picks my pocket. And I'm like, yeah. oh, I, I didn't even know he was coming. So yeah. I usually can hear it, feel it, but um, yeah, that was, that was the stealth Navy SEAL mode. Yeah, that, that, I did give him a little rub out behind the net for for back checking. Not hard, no. Yeah, he's he like, did. And he's like, I love it. I love it. <laughs> You're like, damn it. <laughs> Guy's supposed to be pissed. He actually enjoyed that. Oh, that's so, hilarious. Yeah, it was, it was a really good event. And uh, I'm glad that, you know, the, the ring shrink team could be there and, and uh, capture some some video. And, you know, my the bo- Battleship Bob, Bobby Comier. Definitely, oh, that was great. He, uh, he told it. Good game. Yeah, he, he he says it how he sees it and doesn't pull any punches. So, mm-hmm. um, no, it's great. Um, it's great to be able to play with those guys, and we we're able to, um, you know, raise a few bucks for them too. So it was great. Yeah, no, that was really good. Uh, obviously, I saw the the check that was raised, which was um, I forget exactly how much, but it looked like a good chunk of money. So great, great stuff all around. And like we said, hopefully. Um, We'll be able to air that interview soon because those guys were just awesome, awesome guys to talk to. And just their presence alone, like you sit down in the room with them and you're like, oh, boy, yeah. like these guys. The real mean, deal. Yeah, like they mean business. Um, I want to talk to obviously we, you know, we had some good chirps and, and you know, we're, we're poking fun of you at the game. We weren't being too loud. But my brother was telling me that he was at Madison Square Garden. I think it was last weekend to last week, and they were playing the Rangers. And this guy was chirping him. He was all over him. And he, he was he kept giving Officer Roscoe shout shout outs. And and uh Keith's like looking at him like who, who is this guy? You know what I mean? And it's funny. Um I was, you know, I was just thinking about it. Like, did you have any good interactions with fans or fans chirping you and and things like that during during your career? Um, I'd say in college there was uh, up at UNH, someone came down and was chirping in my ear, and the the penalty uh, box, the window, the back window, and the side window, window there's a little space there. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I I can't hear you. And he came and I spit him in the chest, <laughs> and then Graver was the ref, and he's like, oh, comes over, and, he, and then the the old timer uh, scorekeeper. You know, I had my back, and he was like, "No, he's it's it's good, it's good." You know, like so. Um, yeah, that was a little interaction there, but yeah. Oh, he had your back. Yeah, I was good. Um, good UNH guy. Uh, but yeah, then in, yeah. in in Hartford, actually, <laughs> there was like a group of fans that just didn't like me, uh, like my ho- own own oh, you a home. <laughs> yeah, and they would just chirp me all the time, and just like boo me. And I was even getting chirped when I was hurt up in the stands one time. They were yelling at me. Um, oh boy! So then I was like, "Hey, get up here!" And Courtney was sitting with me. He's like, oh, "She's like, oh no!" So I, I had uh, a couple of kids come up, and you know, I'm, I'm just chatting them up, whatever, N- nothing crazy. And then you know, there was like a post or something I forget, but he's like, "You know, uh, monster's a good, good guy, but still sucks." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious! I was uh, 
you say that the the BC uh, UNH story. So I was I'll never forget. I'm coming out. You know, at the Whittemore Center, how we would go like the the home team would go through the Zamboni door and come that way. So there was this BC like super fan. He had like the the stupid eagle shirt on. You know, BC super fan like a loser. And uh, so I'm getting off after warmups, and he's like, kind of, he's like, hey, B Y, uh, you know, Yandel, Yandel. He's, I'm like, obviously, I give him like a little look, and he's like, I know your cousin. So I'm like, oh, all right, nice. Like my cousin, my older cousin, Sean. Rooney went to BC, so I'm like, all right, he must be friends with my my cousin. And then as the game went uh went on and on, it got like progressively worse. You know what I mean? Where the guy now, whether he was hit, hitting the bottle or, or what, but he's like torturing me. And then finally, I think it was like after the second, going into the third, he was. I was like, what? And I same thing. I took the <laughs> my stick and just speared him right in the chest. <laughs> and he's like, oh. And then <laughs> next thing you know, the uh like the one of the the cops came to the locker room and they were like, "Hey, would you like you?" Millie calls me out. And he's like, "What would you do to that the kid?" I'm like, "Oh, I don't know. I was just like reaching up with my stick to to give it to give it to a fan. I, I you know I have no idea, but I I got him pretty good. He like went back and <laughs> it was great. But yeah, so can't do that stuff anymore. There's no, no. video. video. Yeah, too much video. Too much video out there. Um. I want to give a good shout out to um, AJ Quetta. He's back coaching. I believe it's the freshman team at Bishop, Bishop Fian. Obviously, tragic accident last year, but great to um, you know see some posts on social media where he's back involved in the game, and uh, and you know it must be super exciting. Yeah, I mean, the positive out of this is that the hockey community rallied around him, you know, um, and he can still be a part of the team, you know, in a different capacity, but. Um, I'm really happy for him. You know, that's the, the, the game, you know, it's just, it's an unfortunate accident, but you know, he can still be a part of it and still provide some influence for the kids coming through. And he'll definitely be an inspiration for, for uh, those guys moving forward. Yeah, no, it's great stuff. Um, real quick. I want to talk to you guys about TSR hockey. Um, you can reach out to the team staff at TSR any for any apparel um, your team needs. You can reach out to them at 603-912-5970. Ask for Mike or Dave, and they will take care of you. TSR stocks team apparel from CCM and Bauer and does everything in-house, embroidery and printing. TSR is New England's premier hockey store and is a proud sponsor of the Rink Shrinks. You can also visit www.tsrhockey.com. Um, Obviously, they're stocked up up there for the holidays, so make sure you check them out. Mats, I got those War Road sweats on that they uh, hooked us up with. Oh, boy. Yeah, they're nice. They get some pockets. Oh, my God. Comfy. Comfy stuff. Really nice. They're like jeggings. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You don't even have to peg them. I know. I know. (laughs) They're awesome. Uh, Good stuff. So yeah, once again, thanks to to the guys up at TSR, and uh, make sure you they they're stocked up for the holidays. So make sure you uh, whether it's take a ride or give them a call or visit their website, and they'll take care of you. Um, Mots, I had somebody bring. Uh, I'm going to leave the team out of it, but I heard it was you know I'll go as far as they were there. It's a might team, and they cut their goalie. You know now it's beginning of December halfway through the season what what are your thoughts on that uh i mean who's in charge here i mean this 
it's that competitive to to swap out and you know, sending the kid down to the minors type thing. I mean, give me a break. Like you, you, you yeah. choose, you know, you pick a team and you you ride with that team for the season. You know, like we talked about mating season, like coming up. Uh, you know, you start trying to see what what's out there, what teams. Like if you're gonna make a move, and it's exhausting. But th- this is you know cutthroat when you're cutting a kid middle of the season. I don't care how good or bad he is. That's just not the right message to send. Yeah, it's an awful message. And I think at the very least, it's, you know, I could see a kid's really struggling, teams getting beat. Like it it does become frustrating, but they're mites. And like, what's this kid, you you know, flat out cutting the kid and basically telling him, hey, we're done with you. Like maybe, you know, bring up a kid from the tier one team or, you know, a town team and like have them maybe start to share the net or something like that. Like that, I'll give you a little bit of a pass there if you were to do that, but like just flat out like the December cutting the kids, like you said, send them, send them down to the minors. What's that going to do for, for that poor, you know, let's say he's eight or nine, like nine years old, like his overall mental health, like that, 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 that's not good. He's, he's going to end up hating the game. Yeah, no, it's it's a ridiculous move. So, absolutely ridiculous. Um, uh, um, Mots, we did have uh, an unbelievable play that that you know we're recording here Wednesday night that took place uh, last night, and and it almost topped the old Michigan. But did you see the Trevor Zegers uh, flip over the net? I did. I mean, it's that's pretty cool, and it seemed like they <clears throat> looked like. The player in front, who, who was it? Who scored? Um, Milano. It may, yes, but it, it looked like was it, it was it Sunny Sunny Milano? Yeah. So it looked like they practiced that though. Like he mm. wasn't surprised by it coming over the net the way it did. You right. know, and again, another skill play to hit it in out of the air, great eye hand. But it's just like giving you know, so that Michigan or you know, like picking it up lacrosse play style. You know, a lot of players can do that. It's a great skill move. I mean, I'm not totally sold on it, but something like that, you could see the D like there, and then he closes them, and he just unbelievably like flips it perfect below the crossbar so he can hit it in. It was just, it was really, really cool uh, to see and like just highlighted a lot of skill sets on both sides. Yeah. Yeah. Hand eye could be like, it's one thing because I, I did see today like a couple college practices you know that were videoed people trying it and not only do you have to flip it but the you know milano like it's just as impressive of him being able to bat the thing out of midair with like you know it wasn't like he was standing there alone in practice there's there's bodies around there's a potential to get hit and being able to not whack it in the net was uh was pretty sick that's for sure yeah and for it to wait wait for it to come down you know below the crossbar so it's not high stick it's just everything worked you know exactly how they probably wanted it to so that's that's it was an impressive play yeah yeah i mean the the defensive zone coverage for um buffalo might need to uh watch that one on video a little bit too it's like not only are you leaving zegris kind of behind the net where he's able to set up in gretzky's office and and you know have the time and space to actually do it but then also like nobody's even getting a body or, or staying on the defensive side of that Milano, you know what I mean? Yeah. And now here's a question for you. If you're in that situation, you're the D, uh, what side would you recommend if you're going to attack the player behind the net with the puck? 
I'm trying to force him out on his backhand. There you go. Nice. Yeah. That, that, that was a softball question for you. but I was going to say, <laughs> I wasn't no, I, the best defensive player, but I at least know. Yeah, but I'm I'm, I'm thinking now I, if he's going to force him that way, go to his backhand, you know, then you, you can apply some pressure. But then he could also do that lacrosse move from if he, you know, vacate that side. And it's just interesting how, you know, um, those high skill level plays and, and what you have to kind of do. So they're counteracting the, you know, Michigan, but also you just throw this little play into the fold. Now it's, it's pretty, but even if you, you, your defensive, um, you know, system, like they don't want you chasing behind the net, like shouldn't both guys like the, the right D I forget who that was. I know the lefty was that Rasmus Dalin. Um, like, shouldn't they both kind of be at the post? You know, like on inside. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> from what I saw, I mean, what, I think it was Miller, mm-hmm. Colin Miller, um, making sure that you know he was he was waiting, and then he went, went once he went to lift the puck, he closed on him, and he actually tried to hit his stick, and he missed. But mm. you know, you don't expect it to come over from behind the net like that. So I would say, yeah, Darlene was was in a bad position. He was actually like on the wrong side of the guy anyway, but it was, it was so tight. It, it, it's a tough play to defend if you can do it. But yeah, you, you know, I mean, you want to close off both posts, then flush from the, from uh, the, the side, forcing him to his back end. Right. And then you could release and come back to the middle, you know, instead of chasing. So you just kind of get him going that way. And then you just, you know, shove him off into the corner away from the yeah. danger area. Right, right. Well, one place that that um, highlight's going to be on is and uh, all over the all over social media is Skitscott. Skitscott is the new video-based social media platform that combines the best functionalities of TikTok and Instagram. Skitscott's feature-rich audio and video editor allows its users to create videos up to one minute long. The platform allows users to use augmented reality filters, picture-in-picture, layered audio and other editing tools found only in costly movie production rooms to express themselves in a short video. Skitscott is also a secured social media platform that respects the privacy of its users. Skitscott does not share, trade, or sell the personal information of its users. This app is made in the USA like Trevor's Egress. Get your skitty on. Get your skitskit on. Um... I know we don't talk ton of uh, NHL stuff, but there was some decent suspended suspensions. Uh, I'm sorry, handed out over the weekend. Uh, any bad ones you've you've been involved in? I uh, got suspended two games. Um, it was like a a memo had just gone out across the league about high hits, and it was a two on two. You know, my job is to take the net drive so i was the weak side d net drive and i totally bailed on that and i wanted to clean this guy out franz nielsen uh you know as he cut back against my my d partner Mm -hmm. and he saw me at the last second and bailed and he got his I, i i had to extend a little bit so i got him up a little high but not in the head but it was up by his like neck and um he he got his toe caught in the ice blew his knee out Ooh. and and then I had to, um, you know, wrestle around with, uh, I think it was Trent Hunter. Hunter. But, um, yeah, so two-game suspension. Um, it was tough, actually, one on, tough one on the wallet. Yeah, the, it was the Florida trip, too. And Ooh. I missed Tampa, you know, 
you know, Panthers, um, you know, they didn't they, even let you go. No, I stayed, stayed back and skated with, uh, the strength coach. Oh, well, I guess, yeah, that was the second part of the question is what are the suspended players? And I mean, I guess the answer is uh, obviously we were at warrior on Saturday and, um, we saw Marshawn getting bag skated. I mean, I think that's the answer. And, and I mean, you can speak to it better than me, but I think those guys, whether they're healthy, scratched or suspended, you know, they're practicing with the team and then they're doing a little extra, especially on pregame skates where it's kind of a light day or maybe some guys, you know, some teams aren't even skating anymore, but um, you know, they get their kind of extra work in and then sit at the game and watch it up on the ninth floor or in a box or something like that. Right. Yeah. So I, well, or, or you could miss out on the Florida trip. That's they obviously didn't know what you could have brought to that Florida trip. <laughs> I know it was uh interesting because Lou Lamarillo was you know the GM at the time and I went in and he, oh, I'm a little nervous because I get a call with the league and but he has all the pros and the cons up. You know, the video slowed down, like he had, he had a nice argument for for us. But you know, ultimately it went against me. But um So who's like, in that? So so when you so that's a that's a good question. When you have like one of those in person hearings or um, you know, whatever well, that's not in person, right? No, it was Yours just, wasn't uh, it was a phone call or a yeah. Zoom type of thing. Yeah. Uh obviously Zoom probably wasn't around back then, but it's some type of video conference call. So you're sitting there and and who's involved in it? You the is Colin it, Campbell was the disciplinary the discipline guy. Um, my yeah, and then just uh, you, Lou, and, Lou and myself. You so the player and the GM usually. Yeah, so we um, yeah, so you know you're nervous, and then next thing you know they hand it down, and um, Courtney and the kids actually just went back to Boston for it was uh, Thanksgiving weekend, uh, week, and so he ended up giving me a day off. And then I had to work out and skate for the whole week by myself. And um, then I went to went to Thanksgiving to a, a friend's house. I made this unbelievable butterscotch mousse dessert. It was like homemade, made with love. You know, I, I called it my signature dish, even though I made it once. But um, so it was good. So we, I was able to get my work in, but I did miss uh, the, the the nice warm weather during the season uh, when you got when you were able to go dead to Florida. Yeah, seriously, that's a big that that that's a tough one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and there was kind of, I mean, I didn't see all the suspensions, but I saw a couple leg checks that ended up getting called, like some nasty. I hate that stuff. Obviously, uh, you know, I've talked about it before, but I was injured on a leg check and it. Uh, it it hurt. Obviously, the Spezza one was a knee to the head, so some kind of nasty, nasty stuff. Yeah, the game's fast, but you know you, you got to make sure you you're playing on that edge at times. It just seems as though it's not as physical as it used to be, but you know there's high speed collisions here and split second decisions, but there's there's some calculated stuff there too. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you see on our Instagram? I, I thought this was really. Cool. I don't know if it was Instagram or Twitter, but the uh, it was from Coach Chidge, who's one of your uh, your fellow guys. Uh, is that how it, is? it said? Coach Chidge? Chig. Chig. Yeah. Chidge. Chig. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess, yeah, Chig makes a lot of sense. But why I coach to create a fun atmosphere, to create 
and an atmosphere for hockey development, instill work ethic, dedication, and a sense of family in every player I come across. Um, hashtag why I coach hockey. That was that was pretty good. I like that. Yeah, he's a great guy, and he's really passionate about doing the right things. And you know, um, he's part of the militia program, and um, kind of he's he's all in. You know, if you read that whole um, post that he had, is pretty good that uh you know he can get out there and say you know how he's feeling but that you know that post was was pretty good because he had has some passion around it i've seen him around the ranks he does a great job with the kids and um you know it's always good to just hear hear someone's kind of point of view and why they do it yeah that's great um have you ever been part of a tree a, a team like the jake uh debrusque situation here in boston where the guys went and requested a trade um, not, not that I recall. Um, it's just a, a real distraction though, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, cause you, you know, you want as a club, you want to get the most value for a player, but when someone's talking that they want to get traded, they, you know, requesting a trade. So it kind of lessens your negotiating power in my opinion. Um, so they, it was kind of a weird move by like the agent or whoever puts it out. It's, it, it, it is kind of strange. Yeah, no, that's, um, you know, I mean, he, he still has some value. Like he's, he's just kind of, kind of in between right now where he's slotted in that lineup and, um, you know, they expect him to have that secondary scoring and, you know, use his speed, but it seems like he's just a lot of uh perimeter and not really digging in. So yeah, Neely's quotes were pretty aggressive about that. Yeah, see that? Like he used to more or less like yeah, he used to go the dirty areas, but now he doesn't. Yeah, Yeah. a a shot across the bow, but yeah, that I've never really had that I can recall anyone request a trade, but does upset the you know the room and the chemistry that you have within the room, Um, right? Yeah, and he seems like a like a really good dude, like likable kid. Obviously, I know his father. was a great guy and obviously a well-respected tough guy in the league. And, you know, like he seems like he's, you know, he's probably a popular guy in the room and to have that kind of come out, it definitely can be a distraction, but unfortunately it's just, I mean, I guess it's part of the game, right. And you just got to move on. There's also, if you think about guys like Tarasenko and uh, I I think even the summer, there was a couple others that, you know, kind of more or less said they wanted to go elsewhere. And then, you know, that like Tarasenko still, doing pretty well and, and, and playing and, you know, but it's still in the back of people's mind. Yeah. I mean, the, the business side of, you know, the professional math, you know, athletics, it's, it's not great, you know, but you want to, you want to try to, you know, kind of minimize the distractions of the, you know, keeping it, you know, solely focused on you play on the ice and when it gets into like the contracts and, you know, getting traded and such, it, it definitely does uh, play a role in, in a distraction. Like, like I said. Right. Right. I think uh, last thing here, before we break with our uh, interview with, with Brian Noonan, who we forgot to mention, but at the high school age group uh, players, should they be sitting or standing? Um, well, I like a nice organized bench, you know, so I want you to sit, watch the game. Not that you can't watch it when you're standing, but I just think that it just, there's less room for, you know, like a too many men or, you know, you know who you're taking, you know, when you're ready to go. But I just think it's a little, it's, it's a little bit more of like a professional look. And 
you know, you, you, you can really kind of lean on that professionalism or, you know, just engaged, really. I just feel like that, you know, you sit there and you watch. It's just a, just a better look, in my opinion, than, than everyone standing. Yeah, I mean, I get it at the youth hockey level where it's, you know, the kids are smaller and, and things like that. But I think as you get towards the, um, you know, the, the that high school age group where kids are bigger and stronger and, you know, can kind of see better, um, I agree. It, it, it looks, you know, a little more um, professional. It's kind of like everybody's involved in the game. They're talking to their teammates. You're, you're not like, you know, coaches don't have to look over you. I think it, I, I like that kind of organized look uh for sure but yeah so i think um you know now it's time let's bring on our guest brian noonan this was a uh a great interview a fun one obviously uh a, a legend of the game 1994 uh stanley cup champion and got some really good stories out of him he's a he's a pretty quiet and humble guy but uh it was a you know definitely a legend and been involved in uh, a lot of you know a lot of teams. I mean, you look at the rosters that he played on, and we touched on it, and some pretty good uh, pretty good stories. Also, Bruce Boudreau, we talked about him, and he just was named Vancouver's uh, head coach. So, pretty cool, and and you know just a great guy. So we're excited about that interview, and hopefully you guys enjoy it. All right, and this interview with Brian Noonan is brought to you by Franklin Street Hockey. Franklin Street Hockey is the official ball and street hockey partner of the National Hockey League. Visit franklinsports.com for NHL-licensed street hockey sticks, nets, balls, and now brand-new ice hockey gear. Visit franklinsports.com and join the fam today. And our next guest, and this one is uh, long overdue, it's actually a, a distant family member of mine. Uh, he's played in over 1,000 professional games, uh, including 629 in the NHL, uh, another 71 in the playoffs, capturing the Stanley Cup in the 1994 uh, season with the New York Rangers. Welcome to the Rink Shrinks podcast, Brian Noonan. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on, uh, my man. I, I know... Uh, I've watched you for a long time uh, as a fan. Uh, my brother went to Archie's, uh, you know, soon after you. And just to watch a local guy have such success was uh, one of those things as a young young kid to, to see was uh, so great. Yeah, it was a long journey for sure, but it was uh, obviously well worth it. It's you know, a long way from Archie's, but, you know, growing up in Boston and playing hockey was Obviously, you guys know there are a lot of great hockey players. A lot of, you know, high school hockey was, you know, like AAA and junior hockey nowadays. It was just, you know, where everyone played, and it was just a great experience. Yeah, I mean, I think part of, um, you know, what we want to talk to you about, Brian, too, which makes this so interesting is obviously, you know, the the great career you have, but now you're also involved in coaching. Uh, you're coaching at, you know, the 07, 08 uh, level out in the Chicago area. So you can kind of see the the, you know, the game from the perspective of, you know, you as a player and then now also, you know, coaching 12, 13, 14 year old kids. So I think we're super excited about it, but I want to kind of bring it back to your, your early years. Uh, obviously born May 29th, same birthday as me. So same name, same birthday. I mean, don't say the year, don't say the year. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that sleep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, you grew up in, in, in South Boston, uh, one of 11 kids and, uh, one of the first families ever to ever get a, a breakthrough in breakthrough. the, uh, in, in the South Boston project. So can you explain what that, what that is? Jeez, I hope so. I mean, it's just, uh, 
you know, we're on the second floor of the projects in Old Colony, and we had, um, like you said, 11 kids, and it was only uh, started with a three-bedroom for 11 of us. So what they do is you, you know, you go in the closet beside the, you know, the next apartment has, you know, we have a closet, they have a closet, and you pretty much just knock the wall down and you combine the two uh, apartments, and they just call it a breakthrough. So there it is. I'm not sure if we're the first ever to have them. There were a lot of big families there, but. We sure, certainly had it. That's yeah, we'll call we'll we'll call it the first family, the first family that we, definitely the first one on 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 this podcast. So we'll give you that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. and only I'm sure. Exactly, exactly. But you know, talk to us about. Uh, obviously, we know you had some. Um, you know, you the the youngest boy in the family. You had some older brothers that played. Um, you know, what was your hockey experience like growing up? How'd you get into it? Uh, I know it's kind of part of the culture here, especially in Salty, but uh you know talk to us about that yeah was, i mean you know growing up in boston was always baseball or hockey for you know for my neighborhood and you know me and my brothers always just you know started playing hockey all the time street hockey like everyone played and we uh i remember one day one summer my dad come ask come home and ask if you want to play if you want to box or if you want to play hockey and you know i'm not sure why boxing was one of the options but uh <laughs> Both me and my brother Paul grabbed the hockey skates right away. We weren't going to be, we weren't boxing anybody, that's for sure. So that's just how we started. And, you know, I loved playing. I was always playing street hockey all day long. And, you know, nowadays they play hockey, you know, all every day, 365 days a year, right? Like we played every other sport, baseball, football, you know, we didn't play hockey constantly, but, you know, we still loved it and it was, the, it was our favorite sport. And obviously your brother Paul was a, you know, great player, legendary coach here in Massachusetts and, you know, had a great, uh, he's still tooling around the ranks, that's for sure. And, and had a great career at BC High in Norwich and, and just a, a local legend, that's for sure. Yeah, Paul was good. He, he just didn't, uh, he had really good hands. He just, you know, didn't have the speed that, you know, I guess you needed to move on. And uh, But he had great hands. He was a smart player and, he was always book smart too, Paul. You knew he was going to, uh, you know, do something in college, go to Norwich and become an engineer like he has and became successful. You knew that was, you knew that was going to be part of his life. He loved hockey, but he was always smart and knew what, knew what he was doing outside of hockey. Sure. So, so what's the age gap between you and Paul? Just a year. Well, he's one year older. We're, you know, we played against each other in high school. Like you said, he was at BC. I was at Archie's. We play against each other twice a year, which was a lot of fun. So my grandmother thought it was a good idea back in the day for Easter to give my brother and I boxing gloves, and and he was five years difference. Wow! So that that's a little different, you know. Maybe, it is, maybe it is a Boston thing. I don't know. I just, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so he, we, he, didn't, he didn't give my older brothers that option. I don't. Think. But but the thing is, um, you know, my brother thought it was still okay to punch me in the face. That those gloves weren't. You know, like crazy, like protect or whatever. Yes. Like they still hurt. They were mitts. So, yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they weren't the, the fourteen, uh, whatever they call now. So yeah, they were mittens. So uh, that, that's interesting. Yeah. So you know, b b having a uh, someone that close, you know, in age and you know, say driven the same way, you guys were able to like probably have the same group of friends to play street hockey, play other sports, and across from Old Colony, you know, you have the park there that. You could play any game that you wanted, you know, like football, you know, wiffle ball, baseball, whatever you wanted. So, 
Could you just talk to us about some of the other sports that you played? Yeah, we played Little League growing up. You know, uh, we're always on the same Little League team, and we're always bad at eighth and ninth. We were the worst hitters on the team all the time. (laughs) That's that's why baseball wasn't an option. But, you know, we played a little basketball in the summer, nothing serious. Uh, You know, football, I played Pop Warner. Then I played my uh, freshman year in high school, I played uh, on the football team. And I broke my thumb the last play of the game. JV, I wasn't obviously a freshman, actually. I wasn't playing varsity football. And uh, I go home with a broken thumb, and my dad told me, you know, football was over. You're just going to concentrate on hockey from here on out. So that's what I did. Oh, that's great. And Paul played football at BC also. He played through his whole career. He was he was a wide receiver that I think my five-year-old could run faster than he could now. <laughs> He's <laughs> he tall, though. Open and catch the ball. I don't know how he did it, but he, he was like a Gronk. Just yeah, go down the middle of the field. Balls, big, big guy, balls. yeah, yeah. Just so throw we try to play every sport. We just, you know, we just always came back to hockey. Yeah, yeah we, we, you know, with our, you know, listeners, we we try to like promote, you know, some stuff that has kind of gone by the wayside. You know, playing three sports and. You know, being an athlete first and then focusing on hockey, but right. like you, you actually did it. You know, it's like, you know, you played at the highest level and won Stanley Cups, but you know, you're an athlete first. And, and you know, one of our uh, former guests, it was important because he kind of made me realize you don't need to be in a structured environment to be an athlete. You can go and throw the ball around, throw it lefty, righty. You know, but play in the schoolyard, play hoop. And we would make up games, right? Yeah. Make up like throw ball or do there something. You go. Like that. Yeah. We all just got together and did something that you were active with. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Not, so I, not where everyone's just sitting around on their phones, right? You just, yeah, you yeah. just make up games to play. And that's what we do. Yeah, yeah. And you can become a good athlete that way. And then when you start spe- uh, specializing in hockey, you know, that w- what we're talking about here is, you know, you're going to be a better, you know, all around player because you have different skill sets that you can apply. For sure, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, growing up in Salty, too, there was always, whether it was a wiffle ball tournament, a street hockey tournament, uh, you know, half, flag, half, ball. half ball. I mean, there's always some type of tournament that, that you know, where you were, you know, with some of those games probably felt more pressure than the, the, the Stanley <laughs> Cup games. Wiffle ball for sure did, yes. <laughs> well, that's because you're always striking out, I guess. I, I was going to say, if you're bad, you bet. I was going to hit the wiffle ball. A baseball, forget about it. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Now, what was your decision? Like, obviously, um, you know, you made the decision to go to Archie's. Obviously, your older brother was at BC High. How did that play out? I'll be honest with you. I'm not really sure how I ended up at Archie's. I don't uh, – I just think my dad had a friend there or something who told me I should go to play Archie's. And, you know, I was just like, I don't care where I go as long as I'm going to play in, you know, the Catholic League. And, you know, I was kind of right in the middle. I'd be with John Bosco or whatever. But I when I went to Archie's, it was, you know, kind of a pain in the ass to get to every day. You know, you're taking a train, the bus. But, you know, it was a good school. I met a lot of good friends there, and, and the hockey was good. You know, we played the best teams. And, at that time, there were so many good teams. Obviously, at Matt and Yon, but Arlington Catholic was good. I played against uh, Tommy Gladman. He was at Ilrica. Uh, Ilrica. So it was, yeah, it was awesome playing high school hockey. So who who was the coach at Archie's then? Frank Quinn. Yeah, he was. He was, there, he was yeah. my yeah my brother's coach as well. Yeah, he was there for a long time. Yeah, yeah. No, Old some BC would say guy. a little too long, maybe. 
Yeah. <laughs> you um, said it about me too. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, exactly. And then obviously, you know, you you were drafted right out of uh, right out of Archie's, and then and then made the decision to go to the WHL. Uh, 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 you know, walk us through that and and being you know a, a Boston born guy. You know, not going to college. Uh, like you know, I've I've always been interested in in, in how that kind of played out. Well, I hope not. None of the young kids are listening to this. I, I I wanted to go to college. I wanted to stay home and play at you know BU or BC like most kids in high school did. I I wasn't a real good student. You know, I just didn't take high school seriously. I didn't. You know, my brother Paul, like I said, was you know a good student. He was just always telling me, you know, you got to do something, and I really wouldn't do anything. I just kind of lazed my way through, and it you know ended up costing me. I couldn't go to any schools and. So that's really the reason I decided. I didn't even decide to go out west. I tried to go to the OHL, but uh, you know nobody really knew who I was, so I wasn't really getting uh, any offers. And then one of the scouts for the Blackhawks got me a trial with the uh, New Westminster Bruins, who we knew. No, sorry, the Portland Winterhawks, who were still in the league. And um, so I was ready to go fly out there and just try out. And then. Um, the new Westminster Bruins called my dad the night before we were supposed to leave and said that I couldn't go to Portland because I was drafted by new Westminster, which I, I didn't even know there was a league out there. <laughs> so they're like, well, you, we can't, you can't go to Portland unless you come, you know, to us first. And, you know, if you come try out with us and if you don't like it, we'll let you go back to Portland. So, you know, my dad being a cop and being loyal, he's like, all right, you got to go. You know, you got to go to New West. And so I went and Cliff Ronning was there and Craig Baruby were my line mates. And, you know, it was a tough league. It was a long way from home. It was, it was horribly hard to start with. You know, you're in another country you're half halfway across the world, it seemed like. And, you know, you do get lonely. You do miss your family. You know, it was a tough, you know, first month and a half, but it was, ended up being a good experience. And it did a lot for me, you know, hockey wise, learning the, learning how the real good players play and, you know, how different the game was from high school to going to junior and then going to the NHL. No, I was just saying, as far as being, you, you, you mentioned it, like on the other side of the continent pretty much, and then, you know, you're a Southie kid, you, you see Braintree, you know, from Archie's, yeah. and then you know, that's kind of as probably as far south as he went. And then <laughs> you go all the way across the continent. So, number one, like that transition period, um, and then when was it kind of like realized internally where I can play with these guys, I'm better than these guys, I want to like take the next step? Was there one particular incident or was it just kind of like a gradual progression as you kind of got acclimated? When I first got there, a lot of the play, the better players were still at NHL training camps. Like, you know, they were drafted, so you get to go to camp, which I, I didn't know anything about that stuff. I was just, you know, I was – just going where I was told. And so I didn't really see all the better players for a week or so. And then we had our first exhibition game. We're going from New Westminster to Kelowna, which is probably five hours away or so in the mountains. And my coach at the time told me he's going to sit me out the first game. He just wants me to see how Western Hockey League you know, game is played, how different it is from high school. I'm like, well, I'm sure it's different. But 
they drop the puck and there's a five on five brawl and i'm like oh great this is this is gonna be a lot of fun so exhibition season was hard it was a lot of fighting and you know i'm used to playing 16 you know high school hockey games i think i played 16 exhibition games in the western league but once the season got going and all the better players were there you you know you kind of realize you might not be better than them, but you're as good as them, and you can, you know, you can play, you can keep up. You know, I was, I was scoring goals, playing with Cliff Ryan. He, I think he had like 212 points or something. So it was, you know, he made the game a lot easier. But you know, once, once you got comfortable and played, you could realize that you could play with them and keep up, and you know, even improve your own game. It must be nice when you get Cliff Ronning, who's obviously the you know small, crafty center, who's feeding you and then you got Baruby just taking people out clearing space for you guys that's for sure yeah he was tough i mean he would he would scream at guys like don't touch him don't touch that <laughs> and, was, and but he'd back it up i mean he could fight he was and he was a good player too he you know he, he played a lot of games in the nhl and you know back then you don't do that just fighting right he's he, he was good he was tough so as far as uh Barube, uh, in this western actually you know this is way back you know from these kind of dynamics, but you know, a Boston kid, U.S. kid, coming up, so he's still willing to protect you because he number one probably liked you if he got to know you, right? Right. Yeah. And then you know your play was kind of speaking for itself, so he's like, "All right, I got to protect this guy enough, and he can also play." So, I mean, I, I played with him like briefly in Calgary. Um, and he was just a super guy, and everything I've heard from the guys that he's coaching are, is top notch, same, same type of deal. So, just as a player and a junior scenario, I'd like to hear about uh, you know, the chief a little bit. And not that you, you know, I, I, you know, I fought a lot more in junior than I did anywhere else, and it's not like I was a fighter, but yet you had to show that you would do it too, you know what I mean? That makes it, you know, he, he might not stick up for you, help you if you know you're slashing guys and skating away to the bench or something right if, you, right. if you show you're willing to do it if you have to then you know it makes it a lot easier for guys like that to help you out when you need it right and there were times i needed it trust me <laughs> <laughs> well i mean like you're a little tougher when he's st- when he's on oh, the ice over your sure. shoulder yeah, yeah. yeah and we had todd ewan was on our team too do you remember todd ewan oh yeah d-man he was a big right winger that was tough as well oh. too Really tough. He played. Yeah, he, he, he had heavy, heavy mittens. Like yes. his mittens were like this big. Yes. Oh, <laughs> I'm looking yeah. up the penalty minutes that year. He had 304. That's a that's a it's a solid season. <laughs> yeah, it's a solid was, solid career. Sledge him is. <laughs> oh yeah, he was. Now I now I know exactly who you're talking about when I when I see the picture of him. Oh boy. Yep. <laughs> Scary looking. He passed away years ago, but he was uh he was a he was a tough guy too, Todd. What was Cliff running like? As you know, yeah. I mean, obviously he had a great. He was so good. Like he, you know, he he had a little arrogance to him, but he was a really nice guy. I mean, he was tiny, right? And he's playing against these huge guys, but he was so quick. Like I never seen anyone score so many wraparound goals. Like he was, you know, he'd go one end of the net, stop, come back, and the goalie couldn't even get back. Like he was just so fast quick could shoot and you wonder if he would make it because he was tiny but then he had a great nhl career too which you know he really did me yeah he was he was really good cliff yeah did you ever play with him in the nhl no just against them did, did you lean on him a little bit 
Catch <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, that, um, you know, speaking of off ice, like was, you know, just, just for the young kids was, you know, off ice workouts and things like that, were those starting to become, you know, you see these kids today and, and they're in, you know, such incredible shape. But when you kind of broke into pro hockey was like working out in the off season uh, as big as it is now. I mean, we just kind of maybe halfway through my my career, we kind of John, we kind of started working out with John Connup. You know, I was good friend and good friends with his son, and mm-hmm. he would take us over to Columbia Park and would sprint and you know do crazy workouts that I'd you know never heard of. So we just kind of started doing that. When I was in junior, that we didn't really work out much off the ice. You know, there was no gym like nowadays. Every junior team has their own trainers, this and that. We, you know, we would. I'd sleep until practice. We had nothing. <laughs> now, kids, I mean, even my double A team, we have our own rink, and these kids are doing before and after practice. They're, I mean, you know, they eat, eat, sleep, and breathe hockey, right? Right, right. Were you running the, running the G Street Hill up to the high school? I, I did that a couple of times. But, that, and then yeah. you're done, yeah, like all set. You know, John had us like jumping with one leg and doing stuff that, you know, first plyometrics that first came along. Yeah. I remember thinking, what is, what are we doing? Like this, yeah. but this is goofy. Ahead of the time, because that's all they do now, right? They don't lift a lot of weights. They're doing a lot of right crazy stuff. Yeah. John, uh, kind of definitely a, a, a legendary hockey, hockey yes. guy. That's, that's for sure. And, Chris and David are uh, good friends and, and and great guys. That are- Chris is still playing those men's leagues, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Chris oh. is. <laughs> he never we saw to- he didn't like. We saw we went down to Florida a couple of years ago to play in a in a like a first responder tournament, and <laughs> Chris starts chasing around some like twenty two year old kid from Canada, and and like next thing like. Dropping the gloves, and I'm like, this kid, like Chris, is old enough to be his his father, 100. percent He loves and, it. Uh, he he loves just it. he can't loves get it. enough of it. Loves it. <laughs> loves it. Like even the 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 Friday pickup hour, he's like, Mots, Mots, you know, I, I, I'm gonna be staying back. I get, I got you. You, you just go. You I'm go. Like, I'm like, it's it's Shinny, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, like <laughs> no, because he's like, I got the fort. You know, I'll take care of the house. Nope. So. He's all all business. Yeah, he's a good, good, great family, and oh yeah, for sure. a, a good, good friend of mine um, who we're gonna have on the podcast um, in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, Colin White. So John Conniff was the coach in uh, Albany, and really was a big influence on him. So he's gonna talk a lot about oh, uh, the, the the Boston uh, connection there, and he just uh, really provided like the right influence on him, and so good you know, man. Yeah. Yeah, good, good, good Sothi families. Yep, right? for sure. So then, you know, bro, you make the the transition to to pro hockey. Um, you know, you go on and and win the uh, Ken McKenzie Award. We were we've been told, which is awarded to the American uh, born player who is uh, most uh, most outstanding American born player in his first IHL season. So, what was it like, kind of going? You know, now you're you're a professional. Um, you know, and, and, you know, getting paid for a living and, and all that stuff. That's right. I kind of went up a step each. I kind of went, I went from high school, then I went to junior, then I went to the IHL and the IHL back then, obviously I'm aging myself, but that, I mean, that was like slap shot. It was like a lot of fighting, like bus rides with, you know, I'm 
what, 19, 20 at the time as, you know, 35 year old men on my team. And like, it, it was, you know, it was, that was another kind of big culture shock there. Right. It, but it was once, once you get to the rink and you're playing hockey, it's all, you know, it's all good. But the, the way you're living and the, you know, lifestyle is totally different than, you know, again, going from high school to junior, now you're a pro getting paid and you're on your own. Nobody's babysitting you anymore. You know, you're starting to <clears throat> behave like you probably should behave most, a lot of the times, but you, you learn as you go, right. You're, you're out there just, you know, trying to survive and, you know, get, make the next step. And then I went to the AHL and then the NHL. So every year for a year, I kept making the step up. So felt like I was going in the right direction. Climbing so, the ladder. Yeah, yeah. So we talked uh, with you know, Kevin Miller, who just recently retired and he mentioned something like this. And this is kind of important for the kids to understand. It's really about those incremental steps, you know? Right. So you're at Archie's and then, you know, you, you decided to go to junior, but it's like, you know, you get in there and you start getting better. You're staying in there. You stay, get better, better. And then you go to the IHL. It's just staying present is right. what we try to always talk about, you know, stay in the present and be the best in your practice, be the best, you know, at each step. And those incremental spots will get you to where you want to be. Right, there's plenty of moments of decision time where you could have easily gone the other way, right? Like, right. You know, there were times I was like, "Jesus, do I really want to do this? Like, mm -hmm. this is crazy." But you get the mindset and you stay with it, and then you know, you it works out for you. Yeah, it's like it's it's very similar to, you know, you have a a parent that wants you know the best for your kid, right? And then you talk talk to the kid, what what does he want? He's like, yeah, I want, you know, whatever dad's saying. So what we're we're trying to promote here is you be the best at each level that you can be at. Right. All right. So. And there's going to be roadblocks. Like, so then I went from the AHL, the IHL to the AHL, and we were, we were combined with the, um, we were sharing a team in Nova Scotia with the Oilers, you know, the Edmonton Oilers. They're, you know, and their coach, the coach of the team, Larry Kish, was an Edmonton guy. No. So, uh -oh. I'm coming in. <laughs> yeah. I'm coming in pretty confident. Like, you know, I just won rookie of the year in the IHL. I had a pretty good training camp. But then we got to Nova Scotia, and none of the Blackhawks were playing. Like, scouts would come watch us, and we're sitting in the stand. So now you're thinking. Were you up in Cape Breton? No, we were in Halifax. Oh, you are in Halifax. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's a great town, Halifax. Yeah, great, great spot. Yeah. So, you know, then that's another challenge. Like, now what am I doing? Like, I'm not, not even playing. Should I go back to the IHL? Then finally, some of the Hawks scouts finally came to a game and realized none of us were playing. Then they, you know, made it make sure that we we're playing half the half the players, and then that got better and just kept getting better and better. What was Bruce Boudreau like on that team? I didn't realize he was uh, uh, <laughs> the leading scorer. I see. You would be amazed how good he was. Like he he was my, I actually he was at uh, training camp with me with the Hawks. And I didn't know who he was, and uh, he was a player coach at the time. So after we'd do a drill, he kept coming up to me, you know, saying, hey, do this, do that. And finally, at one point, I'm like, dude, settle down. I'm, I'm trying to make the team, too. Like, leave me alone sort of deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't know who. And then we get sent down. He's my first roommate, and he helped me a lot, Bruce. He was, he was so good, like smart, crafty. You know, it was, it was amazing that you could see him and see his body and see what he looks like. And, 
then he gets on the ice and I'm like, holy shit, how's he doing this? Did he was was he did he have that kind of round build Ben back then? Yeah. I mean, not as round, but he wasn't. You <laughs> certainly wouldn't think. I mean, you'd see him off the ice. You'd think he was one of the coaches, honestly, right? Right. right. On the ice, he's on the power play and he's like lighting it up with points. I'm like, holy moly. That's unbelievable. Crazy. Yes. So my my first captain in the minors uh, was teammates with him, and you know I told a couple stories, and you know I I just recently saw him, and I don't want to like bring him up, you know, because it's just like you know maybe some sauce on the cheek in the back of a cab, you know, late night. So it's just you know he was just a messy eater, I guess. But um, <laughs> but well, whatever. Anyway, at the end of the day, uh, the same thing that you were saying, Brian, was a um, very intelligent cerebral player yes. that ha- has kind of translated that enough to his coaching style yeah. where uh, he's had success. He's a Jack Adams award winner. And um, that that's interesting though, but like you, these are the cool things about hockey. Like you, you can look them up, look, you know, rosters up and see who you played with. And, you know, some guys have had great NHL careers. You've had an NHL career that has, spend you know a couple uh decades but at, at the end of the day when you get into that it's like it's really the uh, relationships um of those people that you really care for and that's what you miss right i mean that's all the that's what it's all about you miss the hockey but you know you absolutely. can't play you miss the people you meet right yeah 1, absolutely absolutely um so uh, you know now you you you're have a you know a solid year there and then it's t- you know you, you you do end up making the blackhawks what was it like to you know to put on that original six sweater and and you know play in your first game do was your how many how many salty uh hoodies were in the stands in that one <laughs> I don't, nobody i don't think anybody came to my first game it was kind of it was weird it took a long time for me to realize i was actually made the team you know we used to stay at the you know how it went you stay at a hotel till they you know tell you to go find a place and you know i was I was the only one left in the hotel for like two weeks before the, and I'm just, you know, they didn't talk to me at all. Right. But I was still practicing and, you know, that there were only three rookies left, I believe. And, uh, night before they still didn't tell me to get the place, but they told me that I was playing. So we're open up against Toronto at this United the Chicago stadium. And, uh, I remember calling home, telling them I was playing. They're like, my sisters are like, what do you mean you're playing? What is that? Who cares if you're playing hockey? <laughs> <laughs> but it was, uh, I scored a goal, which was pretty nice. You know, it was, I think it was a power play goal. Steve Thomas assisted on it. And I'm like, wow, this is, this is going to be great. This is easy. This is easy. Yeah, this is easy. Game, I had a Stumpy goal, back door. I had a goal and a helper. And I'm like, I don't think I scored again for like 20 games. <laughs> So it wasn't that easy. Oh, that's it was amazing. Great. It was a fun year, yeah. We had, you know, Steve Thomas, Steve Dad, Dennis Savard, Steve Larmer, Doug Wilson. I mean, we had a lot of a lot of good players. Derek Graham, talk about an old school Derek mustache Graham. with that. With, oh, he had a, a great – good and He was tough as nails too. Yeah, yeah. good player. Dave Manson. Dave Manson, yeah. That's his son playing now, right, Josh? Yeah. Josh, yeah. I went to yep. Northeastern for a couple of years. Yep, yep. Mark Bergevin was our, on our team. Yeah, tough week for him. Hey, so, so Nudes, can you talk about uh, Chicago Stadium briefly? Because, like, I was – so my brother went to um, UIC, and that this is why 
you know, so Archie's like you guys practice at their um, yeah. practice yeah. facility. So like he he met you a few times, just being like Archie's, you know, Boston, you know. So you know he was pumped because he was out there by himself pretty much. And wow. um, at the end of the day, uh, I went to a visit, and it was a um, you know maybe the fourth to last game at Chicago Stadium. What what a building! But c- could you talk about like you know kind of like that atmosphere that you kind of grew up you know as a first year player in the league playing in you know like all the rinks remember you know growing up you're watching the Bruins right and you're watching the Boston Guard you see the you know the auditorium in Buffalo like all the old stadiums look like they were just old and you know cool right then you get to play in them and you know the Chicago Stadium was obviously really old and the the ice you got to go downstairs to your locker room you got to walk up those you know steps that you'd fall down half the time get up there and then you walk out and you're just like you're in the crowd pretty much. It's like and they're screaming. It was you know it's a pretty intimidating place to play, but it was it was awesome. It was you know smoke everywhere. People smoke. It's <laughs> crazy. I mean it was insane. And they had all you know cops for the security. So if there's a fight, you're they're dragging you downstairs and beating you up. And if there's a hat trick, the they'd bring all the hats into our locker room, right? So if you got the hat trick, that all the hats would be on the floor and you know, you pick on the hats, but they're all old and dirty. You're like, <laughs> <I'm all set. laughs> our locker rooms, our locker rooms had ashtrays in your stall. That's how crazy and old it was. You know, guys like Dennis Savard, Lama, they'd be smoking between periods. I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> like, can you imagine that nowadays? Like, it's uh, crazy. That's, that's, how, that's how nutty it was. Then it Keenan, really is. Mike Keenan came and it was. You know, it changed everything. Like the locker room got changed. The, you know, your diet got changed. He bring in like nutritionists. You know, he he kind of changed a lot of that for the, obviously the better. And he was he was a hard coach to play for. Well, before we get to Keenan, you did like that 91-92 season. I think you guys lost in the in the cup to was it Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh, yeah, four straight. Oh. Uh, that's not, not that I not that I remember. Not, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, the, hey, you made it there. Hey, good job bringing it up, Brian. Yeah, yeah. No, but I wasn't even going to talk about that. I was going to say you you did set some some sort of, sort of record, didn't you? Like scoring, didn't you score like four goals in one game and three in another, or vice versa? Or it was yeah, like I, seven I straight goals for your team. Yeah, we put uh, it in the in the history tied books. Mark four four, and then we uh, tied Winnipeg four four. We lost no three three, and I had all three. And then the next night we lost to Pitt. To Detroit six four, and I had all four. <laughs> so yeah, so seven you, in you, a row. you so you had more great, yeah. So all those old hats, you must you must still have some hanging around yeah. if you were able to go with that amount of hat tricks in a season. And then I'll forget. I never forget the next next game we played in Minnesota. I lined up beside Brian Prop. He's like, "Oh, I'm like, I'm with the hottest guy in the NHL right now." Ten oh, seconds oh, later, oh. ten seconds later, I had a wide open net and I missed. You missed. I'm like, <laughs> You should have beat him up after that. <laughs> then another thirty games, I don't score enough. Goal. <laughs> That's how it works sometimes. Hey, you got to ride the waves, right? right? Well, you 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 brought up Mike Keenan, and, and you know, obviously, um, you know, I, I think he ended up playing for him four different times, and it, you know, everybody knows kind of the legend of I and Mike. But what was your relationship with him? How did he kind of? I guess how did you know he keep? 
How did how did you guys get along? I guess would be my question because you hear kind of horror stories, right? Well, after my first year, I played, you know, my full season with the Hawks. He, you know, I was at the BAC in Southie working out, and Bob Murda got fired, and they hired Mike Keen. I remember telling like my buddy who's training me, I'm like, I'm screwed because I'm kind of a laid back player, right? And I know all you hear the stories about him is he's a you know, intense a maniac, which he was, but. So I went to camp and I was in good shape. I thought I had a really good camp. I, you know, was scoring the exhibition and all that. And I thought it was, then he called me in and set me down. I was like, you know, I, like I knew it, you know, I just knew he wasn't going to like the way I played. And so for first couple of years up and down for him, I'd play really well in the minors and he called me up and I wouldn't play much. And, you know, for that, for a year and a half, it was like that. So I was kind of, kind of getting fed up with it. So I, you know, told him I didn't want to be there no more. I was going to, I think I did quit at one point, went home for a little while. And he kind of said, come back and try out. And if you make it, I'll sign you to a one-way contract. And so I did, and I made it. And you know, it was kind of a lot better since then. He kind of likes to give you a hard time, but he kind of likes guys that will kind of stick up for themselves. You know, he doesn't you – know, I think he challenges people to see how they're going to react to it and if they're going to, you know, cower in the corner or if they're going to, you know, fight back and – you know, he doesn't want to argue with a guy every day, but he does kind of want to. And he kind of looks at your background too. You know, he he was like a psychology major, I think. Like he'd he'd always bring up where I grew up and having a, you know ten brothers and sisters, and you know he he knew how to get to you. And I didn't have a you know we didn't talk a lot, we wouldn't hang out a lot, but after a while, I he trusted the way I played, and he knew that he can get on me, and I would, could handle it. And I think that's why he kept you know bringing me around. Do you think it was it was you know because you kind of went back at him and, and challenged him a little bit, so that ultimately led to him saying, "All right, like I like this I guy." Think that had something to do with it for sure. Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. It's, I mean, like I said, I, he every time he yelled at me, I didn't yell back at him, right? But you know, at times when you you really want to stand your ground, you think you're right, you express your opinion. So I think he, I think he respected that, and you know, then he then he realized he can trust you, like he. He likes to have four or five guys he can bring in that we trust. You know, obviously he's going to need his superstars that, you know, he always gets. But, you know, he needs his role players that he can trust. He knows what you're going to get. And, you know, that's that's how it happened. Uh, I mean, without, you know, putting you on the spot enough, but do, do you mind like kind of maybe finding one story that kind of sticks out in your mind about Mike Keenan interaction with you or another teammate that might be a little colorful but you know keep it between the rails <laughs> well we're playing uh calgary one year and um you everyone knows what a flamingo is right oh yeah yeah <laughs> that, that was Bryce. yeah i was gonna say of course we do <laughs> so calgary was really good at the time and I, I i i think it was late in the year and um you know they had joey mullen al mcginnis Gary's like they were they were really good. They might have won the cup that year. And we were playing them uh I don't know, late halfway through the season. And I went to block a shot and you know, I guess I flamingoed, right? So the guy didn't even shoot it, he faked it and ended up like going off the backboards out to the slot and Joe Mullins one times it for a goal. And I'm like, fuck. Now I don't realize <laughs> I, I did it, right? So I come to the bench and Mike Keening's holding the door open for me. 
And I'm like, wow, this can't, this can't be good. Or he's being very nice to me for holding the door. He's like, you're a f I'm like, what are you talking about? How much does your equipment cost? I'm like, this guy's nuts. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, you just flamingoed. I goes, I did not. He goes, I'll show you. So the period ends and he runs. He doesn't usually go on the ice. They go under the hallway. He ran on the ice. And I'm like, well, he's going to kill me. So I'm in the locker room. I'm, you know, I always take off my jersey and my shoulder pads between periods. And he comes in with his coat off. He's like, you, let's go. I, I thought he wanted to fight me. I'm like, <laughs> so sure enough, I go in the, his office and he shows me the video and I flamingo it. I'm like, fuck. Oh, no. <laughs> and I'm like, now, now what do you say, right? I'm like, the video doesn't lie. Video don't lie. And I, I I didn't dress a game, no lie, for probably three months. <laughs> I didn't get sent down, but I I, I, did, I sat in that organ loft in Chicago for forever. <laughs> the organ oh, loft. That was brutal. Talk about stinking yeah. like smoke coming out of that. Yeah, I'll right. Tell you what, I, I never flamingoed again. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. So good. That's great. That's great. Yeah. So I and Mike, uh, at, at the end of the day, helped you uh, win a cup. Yeah, for sure. Indeed. I mean, I need like I like I said, I was a laid back guy. I needed to be pushed. Like Daryl Sutter, I had. He was tough to play for, but yeah. you know, I kind of needed those guys to kind of give you that push to you know push yourself. Well, talk about you know ultimately you, you you know had a good start to your career. You're in Chicago, and and you know. At the trade dead, deadline, you know, who but Ian Mike makes a trade for, for you to come over to the Rangers, um, yourself and Stefan Mateau obviously had who, you know, who scored a, a, a huge goal. We all remember that call, that's for sure, um, in in the playoffs there. And, and, you know, so talk about that trade and what it did for you. And then, you know, going on that, that you know, Stanley Cup run in the, in the city of New York. I mean, I had a feeling that I was, you know, I, I wasn't playing much. Daryl Sutter was coaching. You know, the team was kind of changing over. So I knew – I didn't know I was going to get traded, but I knew it was – you know, I wasn't going to be in Chicago much longer either way. And uh, I remember we were leaving to go on a road trip. We had a practice in the morning, and then we had a flight like four hours later. So everyone was just – everyone was just sitting in the locker room kind of waiting to see who's getting traded, right? You know, kind of taking your time, showering, getting dressed, ready to go to the airport and – then I got called up when they told me I was going to the Rangers. I really was shocked because, you know, I mean, not only that it's Mike Keene, what does he want me there for, but they're the best team in the league at the time, right? Like I wasn't even dressing right now with the with the Hawks at the time. So I was shocked. I honestly thought, you know, I was going to go there and probably be an extra, right, a, a black ace and not play that much. But we got to Calgary and he came in the locker room and grabbed me. He said, you know what I expect? And that's really all he said to me. Right. And I was like, all right. Here's There'll be chance. no more flamingos in Calgary. <laughs> no, zero. Here's zero. my chance. Keep yeah, your feet on the ice. Yeah. Zero <laughs> flamingos. <laughs> He put the extra like remember the remember the pro the pro stuff you put on your the the toe caps of your skates mods the the black tar stuff he he loaded up he's like these things I can't, I don't even want to be able to lift them. The yeah. Bobby or didn't he have those um skate the they yeah. covered your heel those blockers there the pads yeah the sh the original shot blockers. But yeah, that's all he said, and I mean, I meant to me and Steph, and you know, I, you walk in that locker room, they're such a good team, like. You know, just 
just the confidence they had, right? They're already in first place. The practices, they were just so loose and, you know, flying and the leadership they had. And, you know, I think we got there and we, you know, beat Calgary, beat Edmonton, we beat Vancouver. I scored a few goals and it was just kind of, it's kind of fresh life, right? You're on a really good team. You're playing, you're playing well. And it's just a, a good fit. It's a great feeling. You couldn't wait for the playoffs to start, right? It was, you knew they had a chance to do something real special. Yeah, so you joined the team late, but that playoff run was, I mean, as a fan, I was, like, so into it, right? Like You just, I mean, each round, each round was, like, so great. I mean, it, we'll, we'll bypass, you know, whatever, but we'll go to the Jersey series. Well, I, I could be wrong, but if we look it up, I like, I want to say we played them nine times or something during the regular season. Obviously, I, they, wasn't, I wasn't at all of them, and we – like the Rangers dominated them. I, if I if I could be wrong, I thought I remembered that, but obviously that wasn't that wasn't the case in the in the finals because they were really good too. If you look at their team, I mean, yeah, that they were. We then we went down going to New Jersey. Obviously, no many people were giving us a chance, and there was right. obviously a lot of doubt and what's going on. But and, and, and Marty's a young kid coming in and like just like just playing out of his mind, which is a a real variable like X factor. And we're then, down. We're down two nothing. I remember they had like three two on ones, and Richter made some great saves. And you know, the game could be over. It's three nothing or four. It's obviously bye bye. Right. Then Kovalev scores a big goal at the end of the second, and that changed everything. So you get this guy Mark Messier, you know, but being a, a great leader, a great. So I was fortunate to play with him my uh, rookie year, coming you know, out of college. And the first thing that happened to me, I you know, I want to bring it back to this uh, this time, but I walked off the bus and he was waiting there for me and shook my hand. Welcome to the team. The, this is during preseason. Right. And I'm like, man, like, you know, I mean, is this, yeah, is this guy a phony? Like, like, <laughs> I, like, is this fake? Like, cause is he this good? And then next thing you know, like he just was always just the solid He's just a solid. That's all I can say. And yeah, he didn't say much. He led by example, right? He, you know, he did things he expected everybody else to do, but he wasn't a yeller or a screamer when he right. talked. He but that, but, but that first handshake, like, kind of set me off. I'm like, wow, you know, that's really cool. So then, when you go rewind back to '94, you know that, you know, quote that he said, and all of a sudden it's in the papers and all this stuff. But then he produces with three goals, but that's one of the things that leaders do. They, they oh. lead by example. Like he didn't want to like be front page paper, but at the end of the day, how was his, just like, how was the energy in that room during that whole time? Well, you just never expected to lose, right? Even, even when like a couple of games, New Jersey tied it late, you know, remember we had a couple of goals and they scored with two seconds left or whatever. It's like, it was never like those guys from Edmonton. It was never a, the heads were never down. Kevin Lowe was always positive. Like, well, now we just got to work a little longer. Like, you know, they always said the right thing. They always had the, you know, some of us who've never won before, you know, we're like, ah, oh, shit. They're like, what, what are you talking about? We won 90 games this year. <laughs> you know what I mean? They just always knew what to say, when to say, and they were just so positive all the time. And they were good. Yeah. And they were good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, and we had Brian Leach on the show and, you know, he was obviously a pleasure to, to, you know, 
just to chat with and obviously an, an idol of, of Mott's and I's growing up, but another guy that you, you, you know, he's obviously recognized now in the hall of fame, but like, a you know, Sergey Zuboff and like talk about, you know, Leach and like having Leach and Zuboff on your back end is like, I mean, it, that's like a cheat code. Well, I knew Leach, obviously he was been in the league and I played against him, but I, I didn't know who, uh, I never heard of Zuboff. <laughs> when I seen those guys on the power play, like moving the puck, it was like, like they would spread out and fire the puck around. I was like, I'd never seen anything like it. You know what I mean? It was like amazing how good both. And Zuby was good on his own, like right. A lot of guys say, "Oh, you play with Brian Leach." Zuby was good. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer now too, right? I believe. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Just Zuby led our team in scoring. If I was. If I yeah. No, you're right. Not mistaken. He was. They were just both so fun to watch and. Sometimes it's hard. You you get caught watching, right? You're like, oh shit, I got <laughs> I got something to do here. But, but but the thing is, like the the best part that I look at is like a D to D pass in the, I think it was game one of the Stanley Cup Finals, was from Zuboff to Leach back door. Yes. On the dot for a goal, but it's like that that D to D doesn't happen if they're just like. You know, typical plugs. You know, well, you're in the Stanley Cup Finals Game Seven. What are they doing up there? I, exactly, exactly. <laughs> that, that's what I, like the, 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 like the, the play went like this. The confidence. Like we're the on the bench. Did. We're on the bench. Like get back, get back. Nice <laughs> goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice goal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like confidence and how good you are. Like, but that's how good they were. Right. Was that, I mean, for a guy like Keenan to not to bring it back to him, but like to coach such dynamic offensive players like that, like did he just kind of pull back the reins a little bit or were those guys more just like, Hey, this is, this is my game. I'm just gonna, I don't care what you say. Well, I think at times he tried to pull them back, but I mean, you really can't. Right. I mean, you're going to tell Brian Leach not to, Join the rush, or you know what I mean? <laughs> or, or lose the guy in the offensive blue line, just like, like I think in playoffs, Mike tried to get him to do that. You know what I mean? Like, like he tried to change the system in the playoffs, and that's when you know, mess and them are like, you can't do that. Like, we're horses, let us go. <laughs> yeah, we got thoroughbreds here, ride us. Can't tell Brian Leach to stay back, like, that's not gonna work. Yeah, I mean, it was that not- game that game we beat, uh. Jersey, right on Messier's third goal or second goal is him Zubov. Like they're just flying up the ice, and we're still down a goal. Like it's like, uh, get back! Fuck no, let's go! Right, <laughs> run and gun, run and gun. That's, but but the best odd. part about those guys, they could still defend because they had smarts and like Leach had some jam. You know, yeah. he obviously mashed up against uh, Bury because he could skate with him in the finals. Yeah, and he could get back. Right, he gets up the ice. He's gonna be the first one back. I think he had a nice hit. It wasn't Bure, but it was. Uh, he hit Jelena, I think. Jelena, yes, Jelena it was. Kicked, he almost kicked me in the head right after he hit. Yeah, him. exactly. Like yeah. I was looking it up, and it was. Yeah, it, uh, you. He almost cut you. No, it wasn't that close. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, I mean, to go down the rosters of all these different teams you played on, I mean, who were the the. I mean, just legend after legend. I mean, from your time in, in Chicago with the Chelioses and Ronics and, and you know, we already talked about Dennis Savard and those type of guys. And then New York with Messier, Leach, Zuboff, Richter, Graves. I mean, the, the you know, but you, 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 you end up playing with Gretzky and the Prongers and Hulls. Like, talk about the Hall of Famers. Like, when you look back on it, is it just 
you know, you almost have to pinch yourself a little bit, right? No, I was thinking about that. I think it was today. You no know, wonder what questions you're asking. I was thinking, I'm like, if, if you pick the five teams I played for, there's probably there's at least five or six Hall of Famers on every single team. Like it's, you know, it is kind of scary and how how different they all were and what they, you know, Alexander McGilney I played with in Vancouver. Like he was, you don't realize until you play with someone, right? Like he was just so freaking smooth and fast and good. It was looked like he wasn't even trying, right? It was just like. And Al McGinnis and Chris Pronger, like even the goalies, Belfour, Hasek, like Grand Fuhr. I mean, it's amazing to go up the list of how lucky I was to, you know, play with those guys. And I'm sure they're saying the same thing about me as we yeah, There you go. I was going to say that, uh, right? I was like, hey, you I, know what? Well, I think that the one common theme in all those Hall of Fame speeches, like they all thank Brian Noonan yeah. for, for, you know, showing them the ropes on that, that, you know, what local bars to 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 hit up and all that stuff. Yeah. Hey, we all had our role. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, yeah I, you call it the intangibles. Right. Yeah. Well, one thing I did want, you know, so you you win the cup. Um, you know, being a Boston kid, like. How did did you guys have a day with the cop? A couple days? How did how did that all play out? I actually had I think almost I had it too long to be honest with you. So I, I had it. <laughs> it's one week. We're the last team to have it, so I had to go. To, I met Larry Plo and um, like halfway up to New Hampshire, he had it. And he gave it to me, and I drove it back. And I remember there was a street hockey tournament going on in Southie by the uh, skating rink. Yeah, uh, Farragut. Yeah. Farragut. Yeah. Yep. Chelios was in town. I forget what he was. He was in town for. So he came to see me, and you know, so we went to the street hockey tournament. We bring the cup out. We let them play for the cup. And I, I actually think Chelios jumped in, was playing with those guys. Believe it or not, <laughs> that's awesome. So then we had, I, you know, I bring that night. I bring it to the rink and signed autographs. And then you know, I did all the things. Just you know, bring it to a hospital, bring it to the, um, by my neighborhood and. You know all that stuff, and had private party with it, and then I had it all day Sunday, which we had nothing planned. Like I didn't have to get rid of it till Monday. So Sunday, right. Sunday I took it downtown Boston. I think I took it to Clark's. Remember that place? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I yeah. That. And I remember there was an article in the on the Boston the Boston Globe on the front page, which I kind of felt bad about. It said, so, uh, "You know, South Boston Brian Noonan's done something the Bruins haven't done in." 20 years bring the cup home i'm like wow <laughs> whoops <laughs> just what i need right i remember sunday night i had a habit at the airport i had to, i had to pack it up in the case by myself and ship it out to mike hartman in uh detroit so i'm driving to the airport with my buddy who's it's like two in the morning and i'm like i can't wait to get rid of this thing because <laughs> you're worried about it the whole time you have it you know what i mean people are grabbing it you're you know you're in dad's and the, i look out in the Cups missing, like where? Are they? <laughs> so there was no security with it at the time. No, just a couple of my buddies from Southie were my security. For yeah. Oh boy, yeah, that was even that was worse. I think. Well, I mean, again, I think uh, you know, Brad. Like I said, you know, I just want to talk to you quick about you know now you're you're involved in coaching and and you know again we could talk to you for days about this wow. and, and hopefully we can do it over uh, a couple cold ones on the golf course with That'd with Mott and I. A lot but, easier. Yeah, it's a right. lot easier, but yeah. the. You know, now, uh, you know, I, I find it interesting because, you know, you've been out of the game for a while and now you're coaching, like we talked about, you know, 12, 13, 14-year-old kids. Um, you know, what do you see that's different about the game today? 
you know, what level, where are you coaching at? And, and, you know, compared to kind of your time and are you that iron Bry kind of, kind of guy or, or are you just, you know, a little softer gentler? Well, you can't really be now like, you know, I don't think the kids put up with the yelling as much. Parents want you to yell, you know, they want you to push their kids, which you try to do, but you know, there's a, no, they, yeah, they want you to, they want you to parent their kids. Yeah, exactly. There's a line you can't cross, obviously, right? And you got to watch what you say nowadays. You know what I mean? Everything you say is, you know, sometimes you go try to yell, yell something. You catch yourself like, maybe you shouldn't say that. But and they, kids have changed, right? They're not playing ball hockey no more. They, I don't think they watch that much hockey, right? Like, you can tell by watching when they play games, like their positioning. And, like, you can just tell they don't watch the game. Right? So it's hard that way. Like, that's and like, so like it's what you were saying, I think, when you pride, like, you try to. It's repetition, right? You're trying to teach them positioning and things like that, and they kind of look at like they get sick and tired of it, but they don't watch, so you got to keep continuing to teach them to do it and do it. And they just want to, they just want to play small area games, right? It's like, can we scrimmage? Can we play a game? It's like, you don't even know what you're doing half the time during a game. Like, you got to learn how to play the game. And so they don't, the X's and O's, they don't really want to learn too much, but some but they of them, want, but they want to do the Michigan. The good ones do, right? The good ones want to learn. They 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 watch hockey, but kids nowadays they they love the game, but they don't they don't love it that much, right? They don't they think they're making the commitment when they're really not even close to you know pushing themselves the way they the good ones, the ones that can really you know get there, right? Like so you coach, you see it. It's not. It's hard to both of us. Like so the, so so the hockey, hockey sense is what drives me like insane right all right so Brian, you just nailed a lot of things on the head in my opinion if you want to be better you have to watch a game right put your phone down oh and put your phone down and watch if you're a left winger see what that left winger is doing every single shift on both sides you can be a fan of the bruins you're watching the bruins game but you can watch the new jersey devils that you know they're playing against what is that left winger doing? So you start absorbing information and like you can apply it immediately to your game. We have a thing called Iceberg. I don't know if you guys do it out there. Like we, you know, every rink has that. Uh, what's it called? Where they tape the games? Uh, oh, the live on. So we have a company that's called Iceberg. Yeah. So our organization pays for it. So every kid on your team, like Iceberg, cuts it all up. They'll get the tape of the game and they'll cut the whole game up. So every kid, so your kid can go punch his number in and he can watch every shift that he's had okay the whole game so it shows is that him. good or bad what do you think well i mean for the kids positioning it's good and you know if they watch it right like i try to sh- like i'll bring my ipad after a game and i'll show them like you know what you see what you're doing and see where you should be yeah iceberg is right down to every little detail which i think kind of hurts them a little bit and like I have parents call me and say, "Hey, my kid only played four minutes." Iceberg oh, said, kind of "Like, well, oh man, <laughs> like uh, so that, way, <laughs> that way it hurts you, right?" But yeah, yeah, yeah. video, oh. like, but to sit there, you can go watch every shift you make, right? That to me could help you. Like you're saying, like, why wouldn't you be here when you should be there? Or you know, that could help them, I think. But well, the the thing that I would always encourage, and this is what I say, is. You guys are all students, right? You go to school. You have to turn your brain on. You have to think. You have to turn your brain on when you get to the rank and file away the information that you're getting every single time you're in a situation. 
Meaning like if you're a wall winger and you're having a tough time with like a rim or a tape-to-tape pass and the center's not there, whatever, you have to have these situational tendencies that you can file away. And, you know, I like I try to break it down a little bit. You know, th- that's like right. may- maybe a higher level talk, but I go, just turn your brain on. What what works, what doesn't work. And that's the interesting part about video. If you look at it, you see what you can do consistently, but I want the kids to figure it out on their own. Right. That's a good way to do it too, yeah. Because then sometimes they go to the video and all they want is all they want to see is the nice play they made. No, there right? you go. You want to see the curl and hey, just coach you to see my curl and drag. I'm like, yeah, but I saw you let your D jump in and score three goals too. Exactly. Oh, that's great. Well, Brad, before we let you go, I think um, you know, we gotta ask you who's the best uh the best golfer in the Noonan family these days. Oh boy. I knew this was coming. Bobby told you to ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> he got the better of me this summer. It's not going to be the same next summer. Uh-oh. Oh. The challenge is on. Next time you're up, I think we go a little two-on-two. Mots, Mots and I versus the Noonans. I'm in. All right. We're, we're, we're all over it. You guys yeah. are out here. We'll play out here for sure. Definitely. Definitely. Oh, that's awesome. Well, again, I, I – we uh we can't thank you enough for, for for joining us. I think this has been great, and uh, you know this is to, the longest conversation I've had in two years. You can ask anybody. So you guys, yeah. well, you, did, you did good. <laughs> That's good. Well, we appreciate your yeah. time there, Brian. Thanks, guys, appreciate it. That interview was also brought to you by Cross Country Mortgage. If you own a home and you haven't looked into refinancing in a while, have a quick chat with our friend Chris Devon and see if it makes sense for you. Many people don't understand the impact that a refinance can have on their monthly savings or overall wealth. Devo may be able to help you save on a monthly basis so you can put some more money into savings or other projects. Check him out at chrisdevin.com, and he and the team at Cross Country can let you know if they can save you some money. Cross Country Mortgage, LLC, NMLS number 47305. Good stuff, Mott. Uh Yeah, don't forget, uh, obviously, you know, once again, that was a great interview with Brian Noonan. It was fun to catch up with him. I hadn't heard a lot of those uh, a lot of those stories. I love the Flamingo story, that's for sure. <laughs> He's a great guy. He's been around the, uh, the game a long time, and it's just good to kind of, you know, get, get some behind-the-scenes stuff from uh, some guys that you, you grew up watching and, and yeah. a local guy and – um, he was just a, a really big part of that 94 team. You know what I wish I asked him about? He was always a big, like, gum chewer on the ice. That was something I could never do. I always wanted to pull off. But he always had, like, a big wad of gum going. I meant to ask him about that. but Big we'll league to, chew? Yeah, yeah. It was definitely the double bubble, too. And it was like, that stuff oh, loses yeah. its flavor in about six seconds. So It was always in the locker room. Yeah, yeah. I know, I know. It's absolutely atrocious gum. Um but once again, um, you know, thanks to all the listeners. We uh, we do have some merch for sale. Uh, we talked to the guys up at TSR. They're going to try to get it to you by the holidays. Um, so it, it'll be sitting under the tree for the kiddos or whoever may want it. You can uh, find that on our Instagram bio or all, uh, the website is rinkshrinks21.itemorder.com slash sale. Uh, like I said, that's also in the Instagram bio. Um Keep uh, keep 
keep going and following us on Instagram at the Ring Shrinks and Twitter at Ring Shrinks. Uh, make sure we fill up that voicemail for next week's episodes. Three four seven six shrink again. Three four seven six seven four seven four six five. You can always email us any questions. Just make sure they're not too long because you know our reading skills. But our email is rinkshrinks uh, at gmail.com. Uh, next week we will have a mailbag episode. So. Keep filling that up. Uh, once again, thank you to the sponsors, uh, Franklin Street Hockey, TSR Hockey, Cross Country Mortgage, and Skip Scott. Uh, what do you say, Mots? That's that a wrap? You got enough for you? Yeah, that's a wrap. All right, cue the rink shrink shuffle, guys. Yeah.